Hey, it's Nathan, and this is day number 24 in the Bible in 90 days. We are on 2 Samuel 23 to 1 Kings chapter 7. 2 Samuel 23 contains David's last words. Here are a few lines. The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. The God of Israel spoke. The rock of Israel said to me, When one rules over people in righteousness, when he rules in the fear of God, he is like the light of morning at sunrise on a cloudless morning, like the brightness after rain that brings grass from the earth. The most fascinating story in the chapter is this one, told of David while he and his men were in the cave of Abdullah. David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So the three mighty warriors broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. Far be it from me, Lord, to do this, he said. Is it not the blood of men who went at the risk of their lives? And David would not drink it. Chapter 24 records David ordering a census of the fighting men of Israel. However, and I'm quoting, David was conscience-stricken after he had counted the fighting men. And he said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. Now, Lord, I beg you, take away the guilt of your servant. I have done a very foolish thing. In response, God gave David three options, three years of famine, three months fleeing before Israel's enemies, or three days of plague. David responds to the prophet who brought the message. And I'm quoting, I am in deep distress. Let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great. But do not let me fall into human hands. During the plague, 70,000 Israelites die. When David knew that the angel of the Lord had stopped at the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite, he bought the threshing floor, built an altar, and offered sacrifices. And I quote again, Then the Lord answered his, answered his prayer in behalf of the land, and the plague of Israel was stopped. And this brings us to the end of Second Samuel. We turn next to the book of First Kings, which will take us from the very end of David's reign through the reign of Solomon and the subsequent dividing of the kingdom of Israel into two kingdoms, Judah and Israel. We'll then follow the stories of multiple kings as well as the ministry of the prophet Elijah. You'll notice that after the kingdoms divide, the book follows the story of the kingdom of Israel more closely than that of Judah. We'll need to wait until the Chronicles for a stronger emphasis on the kingdom of Judah. 1 Kings chapter 1 begins by telling us that King David was very old and could not stay warm. So beautiful young virgin, Abishag, a Shunammite, was brought to keep him warm. It's made clear that this is simply palliative care and nothing more. While his father is ailing, Adonijah, one of David's sons, declares he will be king and begins rallying support. As Adonijah is plotting, Bathsheba goes into action along with prophet Nathan to persuade the ailing king to act quickly to honor his word and place Solomon on the throne. King David does go into action. And now I'm quoting, Take your Lord's servant with you and have Solomon my son mount my own mule and take him down to Gihon. 
There have Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him king over Israel. Blow the trumpet and shout, Long live King Solomon. Then you are to go up with him. And he is to come and sit on my throne and reign in my place. I have appointed him ruler over Israel and Judah. The news of Solomon's new status quickly reaches Adonijah and his guests as they finish a great feast. The people scatter in terror, and Adonijah flees to the tabernacle, grasping the horns of the altar, pleading for his life. Adonijah's life is spared, provided he finds, excuse me, provided he minds his own business. 1 Kings chapter 2 is divided into two sections. First, a record of David's charge to his newly crowned son. And I'm quoting, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. So be strong, act like a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go and that the Lord may keep his promise to me. If your descendants watch how they live, and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. The aged David then gives some detailed instructions to Solomon on dealing with some personnel issues. The second section records Solomon establishing his throne and bringing about some delayed justice. First, Adonijah, the one who'd recently made a push to be king, dares to ask Solomon for Abishag the Shunammite as his wife. This is the last straw, and Solomon gives the order for his execution. Next, Abiathar the priest, who also conspired with Adonijah, is ordered to go home and work his fields. Joab, another conspirator, as well as guilty of innocent blood, is executed in the tent of the Lord where he'd fled for refuge. The last story tells how Solomon dealt with Shimei, the one who had cursed David as he fled the palace when Absalom had tried to take the throne. Shimei is ordered to remain in Jerusalem or lose his life. Shimei agrees, but three years later leaves the city to retrieve two escaped slaves. This action costs Shimei his life. 1 Kings chapter 3, we find Solomon asking God for wisdom. This chapter is a must read. Solomon admits to God that he's unable to rule Israel well and then asks, and I quote, Give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord, pleased, grants Solomon his request as well as assures him of a long life, provided he follows God in obedience as his father David had. The rest of the chapter tells of Solomon exercising his wisdom to deal with two women fighting over a baby, both claiming to be the child's mother. Solomon's solution? Cut the child in half. Just before he does so, however, the child's real mother intercedes for her baby's life and in turn receives her child back alive. The people are amazed at Solomon's wise approach. 1 Kings chapter 4 lists Solomon's officials and governors. 
It also lists Solomon's daily provisions. Finally, it speaks briefly of Solomon's wisdom and the fame it brings him. 1 Kings chapter 5 describes Solomon directing the preparations for the temple now that the land is at peace. And I quote, I intend, therefore, to build a temple for the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord told my father David when he said, Your son, whom I will put on the throne in your place, will build the temple for my name. Hiram, king of Tyre, provides cedar and juniper logs in exchange for food for his royal household. Solomon conscripts nearly 200,000 laborers, including over 3,000 project supervisors. Building begins in 1 Kings chapter 6, 480 years after the Israelites had left Egypt and in the fourth year of Solomon's reign. It is a magnificent temple with intricate details, rich woods, and lots of gold. It measures 90 feet long, 30 feet wide, and 45 feet high. In addition to the essential temple rooms, the holy place and most holy place, Solomon adds additional rooms. His design is similar to that of the wilderness tabernacle constructed under Moses' leadership, but it's far more luxurious. The project takes seven years to complete. 1 Kings chapter 7 begins with details on the construction of Solomon's palace, as well as a palace for Pharaoh's daughter, whom he has married. However, the majority of the chapter is devoted to intricate details regarding the additional work done for the temple, primarily its furnishings. This included a massive cast metal pool supported by 12 cast metal bowls. The pool had a circumference of 45 feet and held some 12,000 gallons of water. And now I'm quoting, When all the work of King Solomon had done for the temple of the Lord was finished, he brought in the things his father David had dedicated, the silver and gold and the furnishings, and he placed them in the treasuries of the Lord's temple. That's it. However, if you're into architectural details, you might find 1 Kings 6 and 7 an engaging read.